0: You're listening to Sarah Hagan Backstage, with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business.
1: Welcome to Sarah Hagan Backstage. My guest today, Tim Alexander, is best known as the drummer in the band Primus, but he has also played with amazing acts such as A Perfect Circle, Pussifer, Laundry, Blue Man Group, and more. Today, we are going to talk about how he got into drumming, the start of his time in Primus, their latest tour playing tribute to Rush, and the recent 25th anniversary of South Park concert. So come along with me as I catch up with Tim Alexander. Tim, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hey, thank you.
1: Absolutely. How are you doing?
2: I am great. Been touring all summer and back home and resting the muscles (laughs) we've got a couple couple more well we just got back from actually we did our tour uh with primus um this summer then we had a couple months off and then we did the big south park reunion so that was really fun not reunion what am i saying south park anniversary show yes
1: yes the 20 25th anniversary of south park which
2: and that was super fun oh my gosh
1: so i (laughs) that that's one of the big things i have to ask you about let's let's just jump into the south park show because you just mentioned it but yeah so so south park's 25th anniversary show at red rocks it it, i watched it and it was incredible yeah absolutely it was so so great um i can only imagine how much fun it must have been to play that show
2: yeah it was it's it's neat to play um something different uh show wise you know usually we're just playing songs primus tunes or lately we've been doing the album um farewell to kings by rush so that's been a big We've been doing that for two years and we're almost done <laughs> we're heading down to south america uh next month to do two shows in chile and one in mexico city and then i think we're done playing that record mm. but um yeah it was great to play these kind of funny you know different styles just Trey and Matt, they're really creative and really funny. So,
1: yeah, I mean, so, like, you know, the the world knows them as, like you just said, creative, funny people who've made this this long lasting show that we all think right. is hysterically funny. And thinking about twenty five years, like all of us who remember the start of South Park, it's just amazing to think like it's been twenty five years. That's incredible. But yeah, I had no idea that those guys, could play instruments and I know I know I had no idea they
2: were they were as talented as they are
1: that was that was incredible
2: that was surprising to me too
1: (laughs) right (laughs) right yeah and you were playing like double drums and you know the the songs from the from the episodes are so funny so like revisiting all of those songs I mean I don't even know how you kept a straight face through some of that because oh man
2: was... I, I was just so focused on not messing up you know <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> just watching watching Trey watching him at the piano and um making sure that I could hear everything and make sure you know I, I was just focused.
1: For sure. I mean so. and you had you had so much of it you for with the drums and the percussion everything that you were doing up there and the whole show was like so well orchestrated it was just the way that it was put together was was fantastic and yeah. to be at red rocks
2: yeah it was interesting you know it was kind of it just kind of felt like it was just uh stumbled you know together like it just fell together uh, it was literally like the week the week of the show we were rehearsing in Denver. And there was at least on our end where all the music was um there was still a lot of like we don't know what's happening, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it was really it was really really surprising like their comfort uh with having this deadline that's going to be filmed and then 2 days later it edited and then aired on TV is not like they took, you know, six months to edit, and make everything perfect.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It, it was surprisingly crazy how fast and they just wing like it. Like it's, it felt like it, they were just winging a lot of it, but I think they had a lot of vision going into the rehearsals,
0: mm-hmm. but
2: musically. Yeah, it was. And the music was changing too. each day. There would be little things and, it it was crazy that it was filmed and then released two days later. I mean, that it was is. shocking. That <laughs>
1: it, is shocking. That is it's shocking. crazy. I didn't, yeah,
2: it's crazy. I didn't know
1: you would have no idea watching it. You would have no idea because you know the clips that were in it, and then like you know the projections on the rocks and everything. It was just it was incredible. It was really yeah. really great, and it's on YouTube for anyone who's listening and hasn't seen it go check it out on youtube because it's musician wise it's fantastic and then it's also incredibly funny so
2: and it's streaming on uh paramount plus too i think
1: okay yes so,
2: yeah that's awesome so, and you know yeah.
1: one of the one of the aspects of that show was that getty lee and alex lifeson came and played with you right Yes. Holy moly. How cool was that?
2: Dude, that, that for me being a, a kid who, you know, was 14, 13, 14 in the basement, just playing to their records. And every year a record would come out and I would just sit and I would air drum to it. I would learn, you know, I would learn every note. So it was really really shocking we um so we did the first the first show with south park so we did the first show and then the next night <clears throat> the surprise was that getting they were going to do this whole Blaine canada song
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then getty and alex appear on the screen and cartoon but then as you see in the show they come out and then we play um I didn't know that was going to happen until like a day or two before. And well, or, yeah, I think I think it was only a couple of days before that for sure they were going to play and and do all of that. So the day of the second show, uh around noon, we went over to this other theater, and then me, Les, and Larry and Getty and alex rehearsed for a couple hours just played through the song over and over you know and and me and less we're just looking at each other like oh my god i can't believe this is happening like we're those guys are right here playing the music singing it like uh, yeah, it's this—it's this very weird thing that um, you could imagine with your own hero. You're just sitting there and you're playing with them, and never—you never would have thought that could have happened, and—and and it did.
1: It's amazing. So. It's so amazing. I mean, I got giddy for you knowing that you are such a fan of the music, and also that you've been doing this tour with Primus yeah. and the tribute and everything. And then, seeing them come out, I was like, "I was cheering <laughs> like it was just... yeah,
2: it was you know, we we had rehearsed earlier that day, so, you know, we weren't as surprised, obviously, mm-hmm. but the whole thing was to surprise Matt and everyone it did everyone did it. It was a complete surprise to him that they were there. They showed up, and it was a, yeah, super fun. So, so... what you see in the show is is legitimate, like Matt did not know. What was going to happen? Mm. That was real, yeah. So I
0: love it. I love it. But the cool,
2: and you know, we played the Rush. We played the album uh, "Farewell to Kings" in Toronto, and Getty and Alex came. We did two nights there. Getty and Alex came, and you know, we're, we're friends with them. We had dinners before the night before. So, you know, we're hanging out. We weren't sure like, did they want to play? Maybe they don't want to play. Maybe they just want to sit. And so Mm -hmm. we didn't even bug them to try to come and play a song, you know? And so we, we did the show and I was told that, you know, they had seats out in the theater, you know, where they could hang out and watch the show and, Mm -hmm. And then as, as I'm playing, I like kind of right over my ride symbol kind of sits a little higher up like this. So it blocks the right side, but I got caught, I I caught a vision right over just like, yeah, 20 feet away. They're sitting in chairs right here on the side, on Larry's side. And that was the first encounter of, of, you know being right there playing their album wow and then i was i was kind of <laughs> very <laughs> like oh my god they're right there listening to us you know yeah that when they're sitting there it was my first kind of oh no <laughs> they're right there you know they can hear every little thing so um but we played it well and uh, afterwards getty we we're hanging out, and Getty said that the big guy would be smiling right now. So that was really cool. That
1: like I, I, I played
2: it. I played it well. So to me, that was a big deal. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, that was the I, biggest. That's like the biggest, highest compliment, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's so, beautiful. and that—that's what we're trying to do. Is the we're not trying to be a cover band, but just trying to play the music to the best ability that we can you know and and for me you know i i've i'm i'm about 90 95 percent note for note there's real subtle things and even i watched some live stuff and neil would you know he would change stuff from the album but we were basing it off the record so i was trying to stick to that as much as i can Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, not perfect and some nights way not perfect. <laughs> but well, um overall yeah, we were you know, we did that in Toronto with them and it was really after that it felt like oh we should just stop now. And that <laughs> that was that was only midway in the tour and we wow. all just kind of felt a big relief like okay, we did that, you know.
1: Absolutely. So, yeah. I can, I can understand that for sure. Like you, you accomplished what you were trying to accomplish. Right. But, yeah, but um, you know, it must've been really, really fun to play the music that you were, you know, that you were in love with and like, you know, growing up being such a rush fan. And like you said, getting every album and air drumming to everything and then having a chance to, you know, play it as a professional musician and get, the thumbs up from the band like
2: super yeah cool. there's 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 a quite a bit of surprising pressure <laughs> that comes along with it because every night you know it's like you just want you you want to try to do it we wanted to try to do it the best we could and so it's always it's it's always this thing of trusting what you know, because we, you know, we're not writing charts or anything like that, you know, Mm -hmm. I I don't, I don't know how to do that. (laughs) So we're all doing it by memory and just repetition. And eventually you get to the point where, okay, I think I'm good. You know, I think I can go through the night and I think I've got it all. And then something will happen. You'll be like, God, I I need to listen to it again, you know, and then, So there's this this surprising pressure that just comes along with it. I don't know. It's not like playing our own songs where it's like ah whatever we we know how to do it, you know? (laughs)
1: Right, right. But and it's also like not easy music to play. Like it's not, you know? Yeah,
2: surprisingly, I thought I thought I thought it. Yeah, I didn't realize that it is as challenging as it is.
1: Right. Because being
2: you know younger. And here's the interesting thing, too, is when you're playing, listening to a record and you know it and you're listening, you know everything that's going to happen, it's about to happen. And then when you sit by yourself or with the band members and you're playing along and you don't have that, that trusty song playing along with you,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that's where you're, that's where that repetition and everything comes in and it's it's a very different world uh if anyone who plays in bands you know when you listen to it versus you having to create it Mm
0: -hmm. you know
2: on the spot and yeah it's wild how hard and challenging that it was especially as being a kid uh listening to that and playing it all the time and then being 30 40 years later
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and feeling like an old man you know and being like god dang i gotta play this stuff that they recorded in their 20s you know or you know that's a good
1: point as well but you know there's a lot
2: of especially playing drums it's it's very physical you know and yes there's a lot of the what do they call the quick quick twitch muscles and all that stuff that
1: muscles yeah
2: yeah you know and with age, things change, you know, I, I, I can feel my, the, the reactions not moving as quick. And I mean, maybe it's just me, but, but it's not my goal either to play like that, to play really sure. fast and tons of notes and stuff. I, 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 I like something that I can feel it better
1: Absolutely, versus yeah.
2: I used to be totally into being technical, you know, and trying to, see what kind of cool stuff I could do. And anymore, Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of leaning away from that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I understand that. But one of the things that, you know, makes up your style of playing or what your sound is, is, you know, you're very accurate with your playing. I always noticed that about you. And, um, Mm. you know, you're always like holding it down for whoever you're playing with, whether it's with Primus, the other bands you've played with, you can see it on this South right. Park show that we talked about. Like you're just you're holding it down always. And that's like that's so impressive to me. Like you said, these these songs that you play are there's a lot of time changes, there's a lot of polyrhythms in there, and you're always like so consistent with everything.
2: Mm, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that is the goal, you know.
1: Right. Just right. Make absolutely.
2: It, make it feel good, sound good, and not overplay, but not sound boring I, I look really boring I'm not a very physical you know <laughs> yeah, drummer. I, I think, think... it's from watching Neil because I used to watch Neil and it was like he didn't really move much you know mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of my what I do too I just do a thing I don't I don't do all these crazy head moves and twirling and.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like and that's what I mean like you you and and also as you get older Like you are doing all those movements and, you know, having some things maybe that are unnecessary in the playing. It's like, it becomes something that you probably try to avoid because you are trying to be more specific and not, not like injure yourself doing anything that's like outrageous, you know?
2: Yeah. unnecessary.
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, that is true. I mean, my body's definitely feeling it drumming all the years, you know, with back, back issues and getting arm, I don't have like arthritis or anything like that, but I'm definitely getting like a uh, muscle overuse kind of muscle things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's not fun. <laughs>
1: no, I know. I know. and it, But it is one of those things that like you learn to adjust, you learn to adjust your playing, you learn to yeah. adjust, adjust your routines, right? Like, right. um, Stretching and and icing or whatever you do in, in your routine to kind of like
0: mm-hmm.
1: keep yourself um you know limber and and able to play. But but you know you do play these long long concerts with again all of these these very complicated songs and it's just it's incredible to watch. And I also you know it's important I think for musicians just speaking of Primus but you know um, Les and Larry to ha- have have someone like you who's really like holding it down like i mentioned earlier mm-hmm. because the style of playing is so um sometimes you know dissonant and out there and like you're you're just kind of like okay like let these guys go and you know you're holding it together which is awesome to yeah, see yeah
2: yeah yeah that is the approach
1: <laughs> uh, right right absolutely yeah okay so i want to go back in time a little bit and talk about you as you know you got your start in music. Um, And, you know, we've talked a little bit about the rush influence um, and you're playing when you started playing, but I'm just wondering, like, how did you start playing drums? Like what made you want to start? And did you have formal lessons? How did, how did you get into it?
2: So um, I'm self-taught pretty much. Um, I've always, I've always played even as a very 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 young person i've always been banging and hitting things with you know and playing and i was always drawn towards the drums my earliest i think my earliest memories are um i've we had a eight track player and this is back in the 70s mm-hmm. and and i used to have the elvis at madison square garden live that was the music that we had in the house and so i would listen to that and there was amazing drummer ronnie tutt and do you know of, do you know of him
1: yes yeah absolutely
2: wow i mean if you listen to those i just actually last week i played we, i played that concert It was a nice day out here and we were hanging out outside and I just put it on and playing it for my daughter because she watched that Elvis movie.
0: Yes.
1: We
2: we watched it. So she really loves this part in the song where Elvis is singing um, uh, Suspicious Minds. But anyways, um, so I used to listen to that uh, when I was eight, eight years old, seven or eight. And I used to have a couch and with some pillows on it, and I had a pair of drumsticks, and I would just make different sounds. I would have low sounds on the couch, and then the pillows would make higher sounds. So that's how I started playing along with the concert like that. And, um, and I also got to go see Elvis live twice in West Virginia, where I was growing up wow so yeah it was pretty cool i saw got to see him live and you know i would play to the show so i knew the music really well as a kid mm-hmm. then i ended up moving um to michigan and then i got older and where i got my first drum set and that's when i started diving into how an actual drum set works and listening and understanding what's going on mm-hmm. never occurred to me that you someone could teach you that you know (laughs) like you could take a lesson uh very strange i I didn't even know think that that was possible and then i just so i just always just kind of figured it out and um so i got more and more into music um hearing toto and hold the line in the bass drum at the end i used to think was the most amazing thing in the world you know like to do i was like oh my god i just would play that over and over then i hear it now and i'm like oh my god i used to freak out over that <laughs> but i remember hearing that and getting into um gosh you know Aerosmith Live was a big one, but I, I, nothing really grabbed me. Um, the cars I would get into, we were playing. But then I heard, well, of course I heard Zeppelin at that point. So I was li- living in South of Detroit at the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, so rock radio was What there was you know i didn't i didn't have a big record collection or anything like that Mm -hmm. so just listening to the rock radio and i had a couple albums and um then i heard rush and then that was it that was like oh my god what is this and so that's where it started for me and then i got i don't know what record first record i got it might have been moving pictures no i i I think it was um the one before that anyways i heard i think it was i heard spirit radio and that's Mm -hmm. the one you know with the big intro with the drum fills and Mm -hmm. so i think i got that and just started diving in and trying to figure out what's going on here you know and having a turntable and playing the record forward and backwards just real slow so that I could hear the beats real slow on what he was doing. And I'd look at pictures on the album covers to try to see what sounds he's hitting, you know, and how, how could he physically hit that one and then hit that one, you know, they must be on the same side,
0: mm. you know?
2: And so there was a lot of just trying to piece together what a drum set does, you know, and how it's put together and where the sounds happen so then I started getting the hang of that, and um, yeah, and then started getting exposed to, of course, getting into Led Zeppelin as well at the same time. Then I heard The Police for the first time. When I first heard it, I was so in the rush, I thought that was terrible. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then much later, I got into The Police, and then Stuart became a big influence. Um, so my, kind of my biggest influences were Neil, John Bonham and Stuart Copeland. And, um, and then I had joined my first band after that, um, which my, uh, was living in an apartment with my mom and I had my drum set in a, for some reason we had a shopping cart sitting on the deck it's <laughs> like a little studio apartment with a small little deck i had all you know? my drums sitting in that i would just pile them in the drum in in this little shopping cart and then my mom i i was you know i was doing these jobs like a record store working at foot lockers digging ditches and you know just all this stuff and i was not happy at all Mm-hmm. And so she she said, well, why don't you look in the Yellow Pages? So this is before Google. Mm-hmm. So Yellow Pages is just a big book where you has phone numbers in it. So I looked up recording studios and I called a couple. And then I ended up, this one was having an audition for studio drummers. So I set up an audition. I went and all I did was play Neil Peart which doesn't work in a recording studio where they want you to play country and pop and all this other stuff. So I did not fit that at all. But he said, well, I know of a band that's looking for a drummer. And I thought, okay, cool. So I called them and they were uh, this band from um, Jerome, Arizona.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, so that's where my career started. I. I took a uh, Greyhound bus from Phoenix to Flagstaff, which is where my girlfriend at the time, her family was. Mm-hmm. So I took a Greyhound up there and I had my drums and literally in cardboard boxes and pillowcases. I threw it underneath the Greyhound and got the Flagstaff. We threw it in the back of her dad's truck and he drove me to Jerome to Jerome. Cause I didn't know where it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about it and I didn't have a car.
0: <laughs> so wow. I got
2: there. Uh, yeah. Did the audition and they, um, they liked me and then they finished their auditions and then they wanted me to play. So I was like, sure. So that was where my career started up there. And then we played, um, soon after I had, a my very first, like, real show was new year's eve in the spirit room in jerome arizona and i don't know what year it was but i'm guessing it's around 84 85 so and once i did that and i made money i'm like oh my god this is it this is what i want to do forever you know playing drums i was like finally i found it you know and and i was too young to be in the bars uh, because you had to be 21. Mm-hmm. But I was only like 18, I think, or 19. And so I had to stay, you know, away from the alcohol, but I could play and I could do the shows. So it was a blast. Wow. really? That's cool. amazing. And, that, and that's how it started. And then, you know, we we played through Arizona for a long time and, and uh, we're pretty popular in Arizona. And then uh, went to California up to the Bay Area, and that's where uh, we loved it so much that we moved there. But then when we moved there, we weren't playing as much, and we had to get jobs. And so I was working in a cafe, and the other my band wanted to go back to Arizona where it was easier.
0: <laughs> right.
2: And uh, I loved the the Bay Area so much. I was like, I want to stay, you know. And so a uh, guy I was working with was playing a demo tape that primus had made and and I thought it was cool we were listening to it but and he said they're looking for a drummer he didn't know that I played drums at all so I was like yeah I play can you check it find out more about it so he went to one of their shows and found out and then hooked me up with less and then I set up an audition and I did the audition um, with Les and todd the original guitar player and then um we played a bunch of rush riffs and things like that and that's how we connected you know and so i get a call like uh less says i got good news and bad news the good news is we like you and want you to join but the bad news is todd quit so oh, the no. guitar player just quit and so now he's like he calls up larry because he knew larry from another band um that they would did some stuff with and they mm-hmm. were friends and so larry came and finished the rest of the auditions and then um and then i went in and you know and that became primus with me and larry and Les. so and then we made we made a record the, a month later with a live record with a lot of the existing songs that were already there. And then we added some that we kind of created ourselves. And and then that's how we started. So it's
1: amazing. I mean, how cool is it that you started over Rush Riffs? I know, and huh? <laughs> now you're doing this tour. And it's just like, oh my gosh, it's just incredible.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Full, full it's, circle. It's, Rush has been involved the entire way. So I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah.
1: That's, I'm sure a lot of, a lot
2: of, I'm sure a lot of people have the same similar influence, you know, with those guys, but they've definitely been a part of my career and path, you know, all along. So
1: it's just amazing. And did you, did you all know in the beginning when you were creating Primus and getting your start, did you know that you had something? so special like did you have any idea or is it just like things started happening and you were like this is crazy
2: yeah it was more um it was more of it's special that it's weird special and and this will never do anything because it's too weird
1: (laughs) it's too weird
2: but it was fun you know i i (laughs) at the time at the time there wasn't there wasn't this like oh you gotta sound like Um, you know, whatever popular band there was at the time, you know, that Mm -hmm. wasn't the thing Um, because, you know, there was this time where there was a lot of indie music coming up and that was just this, that was cooler than anything we were hearing on, you know, regular radio.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And so we were hearing really cool, really cool bands and, so it it was kind of like, well, we're just going to do our thing. You know, we, we enjoyed playing what we were playing and there was, you know, I think there were times when record labels or people were trying to get, like, get us to get a telling less, he needs a singer, you know, someone to sing Mm because his voice is too weird or, and, but somehow we fit in with a bunch of, all these other bands like faith no more or testament you know we could do shows with both these types of bands or the this band the limbo maniacs which brain was in uh from the bay area they're kind of real funk band so primus mm-hmm. was really funk based before me and larry when me and larry got in it started getting heavy and strange um <laughs> And yeah, it just uh it it was kind of that. We were kind of like this weird band. <laughs> but I, somehow somehow we had enough enough something that people liked it, you know. The the yes. teen, the the younger teenage boys <laughs> like yeah. it. the girls hated it. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. But, yeah.
1: I think I think I, I've always said like there are a couple of places where the men's room line is longer than the women's room, right? And one of them is like any any kind of like prog rock based show. Is one of those <laughs> totally. places, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but but I you know it's just I love that like it worked. It was kind of like it came together. Um, yes, totally different. Totally different than anything else out there um but it worked and it's and it's worked for decades so you know that's a that's a test yeah it's pretty you all
2: pretty interesting that we can still play right now and shows are doing great like and we're noticing a lot of younger people there which is surprising you know because I'm trying to figure out how are all these kids finding out about us and you know, liking us and learning it. And I'm seeing more women there too, which is crazy. Yeah,
1: yeah so. absolutely. That and I, I've noticed that more too in in you know the last decade or so. Um with those shows, with those prog rock shows, you know, a lot more women are into it. And um, I love that, of course. Of course I love that. Um, but you know, I think I think it's great. And the and the weirdness is like perfect, and you know, I mean there are just so many, so many aspects to it. I have to ask about one thing that I've noticed um, on stage with you all is the the horse head on the oh. stand. I, I have to ask about the, <laughs> the significance of that.
2: I that's just a uh that's just a microphone that Les can talk to us.
1: Love it. I so, love that.
2: That's it. Yeah, I know it's so pretty that- cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's fantastic that that uh that that clears that up <laughs> for <Yeah>. sure <laughs> um and you know i don't really i don't usually go into like gear so much because i i talked gear with drummers oh, for like two I decades but but I'm always fascinated by your setups because it's different for the different things that you do and you're, you add some things and I see, you know, the different percussion instruments and everything. And one of the, one of the elaborate kits that you had was, um, the chocolate factory yeah. album and tour. And I'm just wondering if you can take us through, I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast are really into the, the gear thing. And if you can take us through that a little bit,
2: well, it started, off so that was kind of the first yeah i think that was kind of the first record back um with us three together um it just so happened that you know les was thinking about doing the the willy wonka stuff and so in I guess we were just toying it, thinking of it more like a soundtrack, Mm -hmm. not a, like a rock album or something, you know? So we just started piecing this drum set together. That was just kind of crazy. Like I, I had a, like a 24 inch kick on this side. I'm trying to remember. Then to make it interesting, um, I had Rototoms. Oh, wait. Or Octobons going straight up. I have Rototoms. Right. I have this little metal, like UFO kind of drum, you know, that mm-hmm. I would do some parts on that. Um, and there was some. You know the roto toms and a, a gong bass drum over here big one so no snare drum right and and it was all about just kind of like you said soundtracks playing playing rhythms
0: mm-hmm.
2: and um and then on top of that which so that was a pretty big set you know and we had like some effect symbols and you know octobons up here where i could do stuff and so all the heads you know we painted the heads so they had some cool little chalk, you know willy wonka type designs to them to make it look visually interesting so i've got this weird big percussion set but then we're doing a primus show and you know that's only about 30 minutes
0: mm-hmm. so what
2: do you do next so now i can't play the regular primus stuff on this so i had to bring my other set to which was you know whatever nine or ten piece set and mm-hmm. you know octobonds and all that so you stack that on that goes all the way around so i literally was yeah pretty much surrounded by not 360 but about 340 degrees where i crawl in through the back and you know and it was great because i could have all these different sounds and and that's kind of what it's about with having so much stuff it's about just having sound options Mm
0: -hmm.
2: um because i i do like think of it more of rhythms it's not just keeping beats and um so that's where all these different sounds come in. If you just have something else that can make it sound a little more interesting or, or different. And mm-hmm. so I, ha- I use the octobons, um, all my drums, I have their concert toms now. You know, I, I love that sound of just a quick attack, some tone, and then it's done. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of where all that stemmed from was uh, approaching it more like a soundtrack with the chocolate factory and um yeah we just kind of pieced that kit together just "Eh, what do we have laying around you know what what sounds good and just kind of made it something different you know
1: intentionally
2: because physically you sit at a drum there's usually a kick and a snare and a hi-hat right there and it just makes you mentally, it just locks you into this box.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's one thing. Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's necessary. But with that, you know, it was like we could do something different. And I had to get away from that, you know. and
0: Yeah.
2: Because it makes you think when you hit something that, oh, that's not a snare drum sitting there. Like, wait a minute, you got to think about what you're playing now. It's not just right. this automatic thing. And like right now, I don't know if you can see, but I've got, I'm working on that right now. And it's, it's a, whoops, it's a uh, kind of like a standing up. It's a kit that I can stand up and play um, just because I wanted to do something different, different that's more rhythmic, but not locked down to that kick and snare
1: mm-hmm. that is very very cool and i yeah. I think it's i mean it's really fascinating and I agree a hundred percent that when you change things up it allows you it forces you actually to be more creative to think of things in a different way and um yeah, yeah that's so interesting thanks for giving us a little sneak peek at at that at that setup that you have it looks really yeah I'm, cool. I'm
2: I'm trying it I haven't uh you know. You haven't, I'm working on some recordings with it to see how it it sounds, but it's, it's so far, it's seemingly working out well, um, you know, and that comes from the Peter Gabriel influence hearing in a lot of world music, you know, where they don't Mm -hmm. sit and just play bass drum snare drum hiat, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how it's going to go. Like if you're trying to make a living at it. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
2: take a risk of being too too different you know sometimes but yeah. uh,
1: well I mean it it's worked for primus right so you <laughs> yeah
2: yeah maybe I can uh, do something with it absolutely but I, I'm yeah. having fun with it just yeah like you said for creatively wise just opening up the, the brain a little bit and doing it a little differently instead of the bass drum the bass drums mounted up there so I have to hit it with my hand, you know, wow. no, right now, no symbols, just kind of a Peter Gabriel approach. Mm-hmm. Just trying to think of the the rhythms that happen, you know, and how it drives and makes you feel.
1: I love um, that. Um, and I just, I want to ask the question too, when it comes to writing music with Primus, how does that process go? Are you writing together? Are you coming up with parts that you're sending each other and then writing no we don't
2: i we usually it's usually it's from getting together and those guys will have like a some riffs or something and sometimes less has had complete like ideas all laid out so Mm -hmm. it it varies you know Mm -hmm. usually for me um Unless I have some kind of really whacked out groove, you know, or rhythm, um, I just kind of play to the parts. All right. My part will come after I'm listening to what they're doing.
1: That makes Usually. A lot, a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I do, I love that, like the albums that you've played on, I can... I can hear your style, you know, in that in that music as well, which is which is so fantastic and you know, just to just to tell you when I was starting to play, and I mm-hmm. think I've talked to you about this before, but Primus was such a huge band in my um, kind of like introduction to different uh, styles of music and different time signatures and all of that. And I think maybe, you know, I was probably 13, 14 years old like right around there when BMG was a big thing. And I don't know if you remember, like the BMG, the, BMG was like, um, you could, you could order CDs in the mail. This was oh, like, right. you know, mail, <laughs> mail ordering CDs, but I, you know, we could go to the record store and like buy a CD. And I think, I'm not sure what, I think it was maybe Sailing the Seas of Cheese that I got, but the BMG Lost like you. ordering service was where you could order any album you wanted, which the stores didn't always have. And we didn't have Amazon and all of that stuff. And we didn't have music online. So I just remember listening to the album and being like, I must own everything Primus. And BMG was great because I could just like order them all at once and have them come to the house. And it was like, you know, you could order 12 CDs for like a cent and then you had to pay for the next six CDs or something. So it was actually really great for us kids who grew up in the nineties, but
2: yeah, that's cool. I know that that's great. I never used those online stuff. I always, I ended up working in a record store at one point in Phoenix, um, you know, out of high school, just looking for work and didn't know what I was going to do, you know? And, um, so I ended up, yeah. Thought, wow, record store could be really cool. I like music.
1: Yes, right. And, <laughs> and it probably... was, it
2: was one of my funnest jobs that I had for sure. I didn't like doing all the inventory stuff though. That was annoying.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I bet it was. But like, yeah. how cool that you got probably access to like records before pe- people got them, right? You could probably reserve I, things, maybe. Kind
2: of, yeah. I mean, we had the, you know, we were supposed to play them. Um, in the store. So i would be just listening to purple rain all day, every day. And then, um, gosh, what other during that year? Yeah. There were all kinds of things that came out or, or during that period. So, but okay. yeah, um, I, I wasn't exposed to anything too cool cause it was mostly whatever was the biggest kind of, uh, pop selling item.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Was what was being played in the store all the time,
1: <laughs> right? So,
2: right. yeah, but, but um, but it was cool to be around music and hear yeah. it. So,
1: and in those days, concert tickets. I don't. I don't know if this was the store that you worked in, but I remember the stores that I would go to. Um, that's how you got your concert tickets. So, did you? Did you guys have access to concerts? No, tickets?
2: no, no. This is a, just straight up. Uh, record store i that don't remember cool. selling tickets to shows so no. that yeah we were that cool. it was in a mall too <laughs> so <Right?
1: laughs> yeah that's great but getting to listen to prince you know and work while listening to prince that's great
2: not too bad
1: not not terrible not terrible yeah. one of the greatest guitar players to exist ever yeah. right
2: great great drummer too
1: Yes, yes. Really cool. Well, and speaking of which, too, I didn't know this until recently, but you also play guitar, right?
2: Uh, You know, on a basic level, yes.
1: That's <laughs> Nothing That's fancy. Though.
2: Just enough to try to make some sounds that sound good to me.
1: I like that. I like that. And probably enough to really relate to a lot of the musicians that you play with because you you know, play with some amazing guitar players.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this, yeah, what I do is definitely nowhere near what, what they can do, you know, Mm. but you know, some of the music I like is is not complicated, you know, and I can play, I can play it on guitars, you know, so. And
1: that makes it, and that makes it fun. I'm sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It makes it fun. And and my, my head kind of is like that, like just playing the drums is not enough sometimes, you know, I got to do other things too. So.
1: Totally. That's yeah. That, yeah. You have to like expand your crea- creativity, right?
2: Yeah, totally. Totally.
1: That's awesome. And you know, some of the, some of the other musicians that you've played with, one of my favorites of all time, and I think we've talked about this before, but Maynard, um Maynard mm. James Keenan, you know, playing with him with A Perfect Circle and Pussifer, um, your band Laundry. And, you know, it's just like, it's the musicianship all around is just top Yeah, level.
2: Actually, yeah, all of those people, really good musicians, for sure. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed doing all of it. Yeah.
1: Amazing. Um yeah. some of the I'm just th- you're you've got mm-hmm. me thinking but like uh okay. Buckethead, right? Playing with
2: Um yeah, you know, I've never really done like official Buckethead stuff. He sat in with us a few times, but there was one and we were we were going Primus was going to Japan to play Fuji Fest and so was buckethead his his band giant robot and i i don't know what happened but brain was usually the drummer with buckethead and brain couldn't go mm-hmm. so since i was going to be there they just asked me to play so then it was me um and i played drums for giant robot that day for fuji fest wow. and it was pretty cool there's a recording of it um i don't know where it is but yeah you know and his his music was you know no no crazy stuff is kind of groove based and um kind of dub like but mm-hmm. with with um uh, you know buckethead just doing his crazy stuff over top and it was it was super fun i really liked it but i remember we were sitting in the ride on the way there and 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 trying to go over you know some of the music in the van you know while we're going you know so that was did, that was that was fun
1: <laughs> that that sounds like fun and i you know his his music um is so diverse too like from one yeah. thing to the next it it always amazes me the styles the different styles and and um all of those albums that he put out the pike albums um w- the styles from one to the next it was like okay this is very pantera like and then this next one is so chill and like, it was just it's just incredible but but again wow. you know Guitar-wise, just un- unbelievable talent. Yeah,
2: um, yeah, he's crazy.
1: Yeah. So you're working on some potential recordings, or is there anything else that's happening? I know you have you have the dates coming up um, in South America with Primus, right?
2: Yeah, those are coming up November first or first or second. Uh, two shows in Santiago, and then we go to Mexico City and then home. And then as far as I know, that's it.
1: Get a so little break. I'm just, you need a break.
2: I, yeah, I really do. I'm just, uh, getting my set here and working on my own, my own stuff right now. So. Love it. Yeah. I can't
1: wait to find out what that is.
2: I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know me too. <laughs> right.
1: We'll find out together and I will, right. link, I will put all the links to, um, to your social media, to Primus? I don't have, yeah.
2: I mean, I don't, I don't have a lot going on social, you know, I, I had the cider business going for a while. Um, and we, we ended up stopping that last year. It was just, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of factors involved, but, um, COVID didn't help things (laughs) Right. with that. But, um, anyways, yeah. So that, that was my big social media push thing, but now I'm I don't have a lot going on social media wise. But you know, yeah, there is Primus website that has some dates. Um and uh yeah, yeah, you can yeah. send some links and we'll we'll see what we can do.
1: Absolutely. And I will link to that 25th anniversary South Park concert. Oh yeah. People
2: yeah, have to check one.
1: that out if they haven't.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Awesome, and I hope I get to see you soon in person. Yeah, someday, huh? Yes, I know it's been way too long. Have you been going?
2: Are they doing the Nam stuff? Have you gone there?
1: I did go to Nam. Nam Winter Nam was in June this year, so um, it was Mm. different, but it was really great to kind of get back and you know see all of the uh, the displays and everything. And I have to say, you know the the um, audio, video, the Piano section, keyboards was kind of like felt like normal. Um, the guitar section was pretty big. I think our industry, the drum and percussion section was, you know, a little bit different. It was pretty scaled down, but hopefully next year hmm. um, it will be in April in 2023. NAM will be in April. So, down in um, LA? In LA. Yeah. Um, Anaheim, up at the convention center. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So, hopefully. Cool. Yeah. Maybe I'll run into you. yeah well i will i will keep in touch with you for sure um if i if i make it out there i will definitely let you know it'd be great to see you
2: all right awesome yeah it'd be good well thank you for having me on here and um yeah congrats on the podcast and everything you're doing that's great
1: thank you so much tim it was Mm -hmm. great to catch up with you
2: yeah all
1: right well i will see you soon okay okay bye all
2: right take care
0: thank you for tuning in today Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage.